Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. Today is episode 35, number 35. And unfortunately, there's no famous NBA player that I could think of for uh, this number. I guess we're done, like 32 through 34 is like the sweet spot. Best I could do is Danny Ferry. He was kind of a journeyman. I think he's from Kentucky, like late 90s, early 2000s, kind of just forgettable. But who cares? I mean, if there's no one good, why, why talk about it? Uh, I'm more fired up today because I bought these tiny cheesecakes from uh, the supermarket. It's my girlfriend's birthday this week. And there's these little individual cheesecakes that are like three or four bites. And I got to say, it's like the most brilliant invention ever. Because, you know, you have a full piece of cheesecake or a cheesecake itself. And you end up eating like 900% more than you want to. And you end up feeling slovenly and sloppy. And the sugar is just streaming through your blood. And then... When you're hungry, you snack on it, and then it's just, it's not a good, it's not a good look. So to have this individual, tiny, little cute kawaii, little baby thing, just genius. Whoever did that, whoever invented that deserves an Oscar. Well, not an Oscar, because that would not be for acting. They deserve a Nobel Peace Prize, because they're bringing people together. I've also argued that it'd be great to have, like, cheesecake pops. I guess they have those, too, where it's, like, just one bite. Or I've also argued that... A deep dish pizza, you should have it as one bite kind of lollipops. Because after one or two bites, you're done. It's just, it's just a heavy lasagna, and it's not pizza. It's too much. The same with cheesecake. So the fact that they served it down small, that's just, that's just fantastic, and I'm just enjoying it. And I had a rough night last night, but not like normal people rough. This is me rough. And I just had a hard time picking a, mo- a movie to focus on because I just got HBO Max. And I got my Hulu set up too, so I'm rummaging through the internet, just like top 100 picks for Amazon Prime, Hulu, Netflix, Xfinity, and HBO Max. And it's just, it's too much selection. It's, you know, it's a plethora of options. And does anyone, I get anxious when I got too many options, especially when I'm going to invest 1.5 to like 2.5 hours in a movie. I mean, that's, that's an investment. And also, it's, it's going into my brain, and it's going to go into my nomenclature and my pop culture references. And I want to make sure I choose wisely. So I end up spending like an hour on IMDb's Movie Ranker, which like ranks the top 250 movies. And I look at box office sales because I want my addition to my brain to be something that resonates with people. I want it to be a conversation starter and a topic people want to click on and listen to. So... I kind of, I treat it like I'm the bomb diffuser and I'm trying to choose between the blue red, the blue wire, or the red wire. And it's like, it's not that big a deal. And by the time I'm done with it, I mean, I just, I've already spent an hour just rummaging and just wasting through looking at stuff and like looking through previews and trailers and whatnot. So like I was looking at doing Space Odyssey 2001 yesterday, because that's a blind spot in my movie culture. You know, I got to pay homage to Kubrick and all that, you know, goodness. But instead, I'm farting away an hour looking up uh, like online Reddit debates and stuff. And after all that uh, deliberation, uh, I kind of I should have just picked uh, I should have just picked a Space Odyssey. And yet, here I am an hour later, just deciding, oh, I don't have enough time because now it's a three and a half hour commitment. The next time, I'm just trying to click on it. So this time, I after all that research, after all that time looking, I succumbed to low-hanging fruit and went to 1994's H. Ventura Pet Detective. And this movie is insane. I can't believe it got made. It's, I mean, it's just, it blows my mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless and I'm rarely without words. So this movie made like $100 million and it only cost $11 million, So what an investment. This is, you know, getting into Amazon in 1998 kind of vibes. And 
it's part of that kind of 90s uh, groove of nonsensical comedies with rising star leads. Because you got your Billy Madison with Sandler. You got Tommy Boy, Chris Farley. You got Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy. Happy Gilmore, Half-Baked, Night at the Roxbury's, Austin Powers, Liar Liar, The Mask. I mean, this is the glory age of silly plot premise. Let's just take a rising comedic star, usually from SNL, and just let him do his thing for 90 minutes. And let's, let's figure it out afterwards. As long as he's funny in the central role, it doesn't matter. And what happened to those movies? Why are they no longer in existence? Like, I can't think of two movies put together that had a run like this. And here we had like nine or 10 or 11. So why don't they come up with these anymore? What happened? I mean, even movies like Wedding Crashers, it's more of a real movie. It's the plot is, it's actually like a good plot line. Like I appreciate how they thought of that. These ones are just, you know, someone took some LSD and wrote some gibberish down and said, let's get Adam Sandler to do something silly. It's like, cool, that works. Or let's get Will Ferrell to wear a silly haircut and wear a velvet suit. All right, fine. Let's get Dave Chappelle to be a drug dealer, you know, in a silly way. All right, right. That sounds good. Let's put Eddie Murphy in a fat suit. Yeah. Let's make Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels really dumb. Sure. So, I mean, I don't, that'll, be, that'll be a podcast for another time because this is, these still hold up. They're still fun to watch. And it's like, I can't, the comedy genre doesn't feel like it has anything like this anymore. I mean, who are the up and comers? Who are the, who are the breakout stars as of late? I can't think of anybody. Maybe I'm just getting old. I'm getting crotchety. I'm like back in my day. Jim Carrey made me laugh uphill both ways, you know, with no shoes on in the rain. But uh, so the plot. So Ace Ventura is a pet detective, obviously. And, you know, animal lover living in Miami. And there's a missing NFL mascot. And I, apparently the NFL signed off on this. And, I, you know, the NFL is pretty sensitive about what movies they pick and which movies they don't. I don't know how they thought that this was okay. I mean, they put Dan Marino and, like, real NFL players in it. They use the stadiums. They, the Super Bowl is heavily involved. And it's kind of a vulgar, sexual, kind of noir kind of vibe to it outside of the fact that it's being really childish and immature with, you know, Carrie just bouncing around like a hyperactive four-year-old, you guess Matterall do. So I don't know how this movie <laughs> – I don't, I don't know a lot of things. I want to hear, like, interviews with everyone – uh, saying how this got made because apparently i guess the director too he had only made one tv movie before this and this was his first big movie and they're like the nfl's like sure go for it and if you think back i can't think of many movies where the nfl's really uh involved so the argument or the bribery that had to go forth for this to happen i mean good for them so i mean like there's a disgruntled nfl kicker in this movie, Ray Finkel, who's out for revenge on those who he thought he did wrong, on those who he thought like did him wrong, he missed a kick in the Super Bowl and has had a, his eye on revenge on the whole team. And he's the one who. Spoiler alert! I mean, this movie's plot doesn't matter. It's just it's watching Jim Carrey, you know, bounce around for eighty-five minutes. So if I ruin it for you, I ruin it for you. And if you haven't seen Ace Ventura, what are you doing? Like, seriously, go go on Netflix. It's on Netflix right now. It's 85 minutes. This is the shortest investment you're ever going to have to make. I promise you that you'll laugh out loud 30 to 40 times. So I'm ruining stuff. So get over it. It's like 30 years old. So deal with it. So, okay, I'm kind of, kind of I'm chopping in between the plot here. So NFL mascot in Miami, this uh, dolphin for the Dolphins, is stolen by disgruntled NFL kicker Ray Finkel, 
who's trying to get revenge. And it turns out, spoiler, that he's been, he's the police lieutenant the entire time, but he's had a sex change and he's Lois Einhorn. So, I mean, even back then, that's kind of wild for, I don't remember many sex change uh, major movies in the early 90s. I think that was kind of a little bit, little bit risque for the time. And this movie is weirdly risque and like somewhat hard-boiled cop noir kind of vibe, despite the fact that Carrie's being silly as all hell. He's just, he's heavily involved with like the local cops who are in the sweaty, you know, revolver, hard drinking kind of vibe. There's some murders in this movie, some brushes with aristocrats in Miami. It's, it's kind of like a Len, uh, Leonard Elmore novel, but, uh, but with Jim Carrey just cracking fart jokes, you know, the entire time and bouncing like he's in an insane asylum, which he actually is in as an insane asylum for part of the movie. And there's Courtney Cox, who's kind of the romantic foil for him. And she works for the team. Courtney Cox, mid-90s, great mid-90s hair. She's got that big kind of seriously well-designed hair that I mean, like the it's basically she has the Rachel from Friends which is weird because she's not Rachel she's the other chick what's who's that Monica there she goes she's Monica but looks great she's fine but none of it matters 85 minutes of Jim Carrey going bananas while everyone else is playing the straight guy around him and everything about Carrey in this movie is just you gotta watch him and you can't stop you're just addicted to staring at him I mean he's got that weird hair like slicked up kind of Elvis-y in the front, but kind of in a manic. If, a fi- if you told your five-year-old to look like Elvis, this is what would happen. He's got that rubber face. He can kind of just express and emote however he wants. He's doing endless impersonations. He's got that 10,002 smile. I mean, he talks out of his butt, literally. He like makes his butt talk verbally in front of other people, and he's doing, you know, ass puns. He's wearing these bizarre clothes. He's got pastel Hawaiian shirts. He's got striped pants in the... Miami heat and with leather boots. It's just a weird look and it's just not appropriate for Miami, but it's, it's fitting for him. And he's a smart ass response to everyone. Always. He's basically, I mean, if you've seen the movie Fletch, it's Chevy Chase's movie in the eighties where he's a reporter investigating a murder mystery, but kind of just being smart alecky and just smartest jackass in the room the whole time. He's basically Fletch on 38 cups of coffee. It's what I've come down to. He's never serious for one second, even though there's like murders, guns, uh, there's car chases, there's, like I said, hard-boiled detective vibes throughout the movie, but he just kind of breaks all the tension by just being spastic. And it's a weirdly Miami movie, and it's kind of cool that it was mid-90s Miami, and this is pre-like new money Miami, so it's a weird, it's not like in Dexter Morgan, I mean in the show Dexter or CSI Miami, it's more of a hyperized, stylized Miami. This is kind of more rundown, sad, pastel-colored Miami. And it's, it's kind of fun to watch. It's like, oh, this is what it was like beforehand. And there's some weird uh, lethal weapon kind of undertones. Like the music is just tons of sax solos and guitar riffs. And it feels, it feels like they stole the entire soundtrack from Lethal Weapon. So not sure why they did that, but it, it works because it doesn't work. And also it's under underrated addition to like 90s silly comedies is just get some animals in there to interact with your you know star i mean jim carrey's got penguins otters exotic birds skunks tons of dogs cats everything monkeys and it just it adds opportunities for him to goof around and imitate the animals or mimic them or connect with them and it just it just adds to the fun i mean he's he never he never takes a moment off like 
in one scene when he's at a wealthy billionaire's party, he's just passing a cellist who's playing for the party and he just hits the bow. So, so the, uh, so the cellist goes off key and just as he's walking by, just for no reason, he's just, he's just messing around. He plays with his food. Uh, he's spitting out sunflower seeds on someone's desk. He's sticking out his chewed food. Like, like, you know, like a five-year-old would do just over and over again. He puts 37 pieces of gum in his mouth for no reason. And he's got one liner is coming just rapid fire. He'd just be like, if I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. Or he goes, Alrighty then. Just classic like one line zip lines. And he does these great uh one breath over explanations. When someone asks, like, why is this murder a murder scene and not a suicide? He'll just go <sighs> and then it's explained in one breath as he slowly loses his breath. It's fantastic. And like I said, the movie makes no sense, but it doesn't have to. It's just the Jim Carrey show. And it's it's his coming out party. You know, I mean this is him showing to the world that he wasn't just the live in living color guy, that he could carry a movie and that you want to watch him. I would watch if he was still doing like those earnest movies, you know how that guy did 20 to 25 of those movies. If he was still doing, if he did exclusively Ace Ventura movies for the next, from 1994 till now, that's all I'd be watching. I mean, if he made one a year, like Ace Ventura goes to camp, Ace Ventura eats a sandwich, Ace Ventura goes to the North pole, Ace Ventura saves Christmas. You know, that's what I want to see. That's, I mean, this is, this is the perfect device for Jim Carrey and everything else is just noise. So, I mean, I mean, this movie has no sense in, or ground in reality. And I don't think it has to because Carrie's, you know, Carrie's not a very realistic character. He's just Gumby, basically. He's human Gumby. There's one point when he catches a bullet with his teeth mid-car chase before flipping his car. And it's like, they remind you every t- two minutes. They're like, this is a movie. This is, not, this is fun. Just wa- watch and enjoy Jim Carrey. It's like, okay, I'll do that. I mean, there's scenes where he's in a mental institution pretending to be an out-of-his-mind football player with a tutu on. And he's doing super slow-mo, but uh, like acting-wise and reversing his feet, reversing his motions, you know, like you would be uh, controlling him with a television remote. It's just fantastic. There was no one else, no one else comes close to this kind of physical comedy. I mean, maybe Jerry Lewis back in the day, I never really got into him because, you know, a little before my time, but I don't think anyone else has been this great with physicality. Maybe Robin, Robin Williams. I, I would love to... Why didn't Robin Williams and Jim Carrey do something together? It was just like they were two wild and crazy brothers. That should have been fun. What would they be doing? I don't know. But this movie is also weirdly adult for kind of a childish uh, main star. It has one or two scenes where he gets a little serious and you can kind of see where Jim Carrey's acting chops are eventually going to go. You see like, oh, okay, he can actually, he can tell a story. He's talking about a dream he had when he was 12 years old about a dog chasing him. And you can say, oh, this is where the Truman Show or Eternal Sunshine is going to come from. And you can see, you can see he could, uh, he can act for the best of him if he wants to. But this starts one of the greatest comedy runs ever for anybody. Like after this, he does, this is not sequential, I don't think, but it's pretty close. He does Ace Ventura. He does The Mask, which, I mean, The Mask is literally, if this was an A, this is, Mask is an A minus. I love The Mask. And I think everyone else did too. I mean, it was more... Cartoon. It was more better plotted and more kind of a fun farce than this silly 85-minute Jim Carrey in every scene kind of vibe. But uh, The Mask, I mean, Jim Carrey in a green, in a green-faced, you know, hyper-cartoonish 1940s zoot suit is just, it's, it was just fun. 
And Cameron, that was Cameron Diaz's premiere movie too. And I think that's a Cameron Diaz's best role actually. And then he did Batman Forever. He was the joke. He was not the joke. He was the Riddler. I love Batman Forever. Just campy, silly, over the top. Val Kilmer's an underrated Batman, by the way. I'll do a whole Batman Forever thing at some point. But you got Nicole Kidman being probably the sexiest she's ever been. You got Kiss from a Rose from Seal as like the number one song in America for like probably a year, probably that entire year. Tommy Lee Jones being silly, hamming it up. Chris O'Donnell in as Robin. And I don't know. I just dug it. It was just fun. It was just, I think it was still Tim Burton. Maybe it was Jerry Bruckheimer at this point, but I liked it. And Ace Ventura 2, more of the same. This is just Ace Ventura in Africa. <laughs> and I, I love that they didn't try to uh, spruce it up or do anything more with it. They're like, nope, Jim, just go for 90 minutes. Let's do it. Let's be weird. Dumb and Dumber, Cable Guy. I love Cable Guy, I, directed by Ben Stiller. I know it's a dark comedy and people weren't expecting it to get so kind of weird and morose and strange, but I think that's its appeal. It's just fun to watch a dark comedy with Jim Carrey in it. Liar, Liar, uh, more the same of uh, the, you know, farcical, that's not a word, of uh, like the fictional Jim Carrey can't tell a lie as a fast-talking lawyer. Sure, I'm signed up. And it kind of makes me sad he didn't reel off 20 of these movies. Like I said, I mean, if he did Ace Ventura 1 through 15, The Mask 1 through 10, and Liar Liar 1 through 87, I mean, I think that would have been fine. But sometimes I think it's hard to be the funniest kid in class, you know, especially in, when you grow into your 30s and 40s and you're an adult. And you want to grow and kind of expand. And I think everyone wants to see you just fall down and be physically comical. And they're like, no, 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 do the thing that I love from you. You know, play the hits. I don't want to hear your new stuff. And I think that's going to be hard for people to adjust. So I know I say stay in your lane for most people, but sometimes I guess if you feel like a trained monkey, I would think if people are like, say your catchphrase or, you know, be the character that I love and you want to show people that you're more, I guess, but still <laughs> I want him to play the hits, but he really, he really didn't come back to this stuff until much later in life. Uh, he just did in Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie, Dr. Robotnik. And he was really, really kind of over the top, physical comedy, silly. It was a PG movie, had a silly mustache, funny attitude. So, you know, he brings it back once in a while. And it just brings so much joy to me when uh, Jim Carrey is just flopping around around screen. And I think he'll always have that talent until he's 100 years old. He just, he has that body. He has that talent. He can just it, it comes out of nowhere. It just comes naturally to him, it seems like. I mean, I'm sure he's trained for it, and I'm sure he worked really hard on it, but there's something that just emanates from him. You just look at him, and you're just like, I just want to laugh. I just want to enjoy you. And if you want to enjoy yourself, this movie is a just a good, like I said, 85 minutes, nothing. You know, that's barely, that's, that's a load of laundry. So if you want to do a load of laundry and laugh for a little bit, this is great. Because it's like watching LeBron James in high school. You know what I mean? It's just seeing the potential that will, what, what, what could be. And, you know, the cast might, the supporting cast might not be great or the plot might not be great. Like, you know, LeBron was way above what the high school play was, but it's fun to project. And when you see Jim Carrey in this, you're like, wow, this guy's going to be in my life for the next 30 years and he's going to be a treat. So thank you, Jim. Thank you, Ace. And thank you, Netflix, for putting this on. So I'm definitely going to do a Batman for everyone now. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a must because that is, that is a long lost film. And also Carrie as the Riddler is fantastic. Edward, Edward E. Enigma. I think that's how it is. No, Ian. Yeah, Edward E. Enigma. Yeah, because like Enigma. 
Well, so that's pretty much what I got. I think I'm a little hyped up today. I shouldn't have had a second cup of coffee. A little, little stuttery with uh, with how I'm talking. Because <laughs> I'm juiced up. I'm having a good day. And I think I got to control that energy. Focus it a little bit more. I'm a little all over the place today. But so is Jim Carrey in this movie. And so is Ace Ventura. So it all ties together. So later.